This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Shocking and astonishing. Those are understatements to describe what we witnessed at the U.S. Capitol yesterday. Well, there hasn't been an event like that since the War of 1812, and the words used to describe the storming of the seat of American democracy ranged from protest to riot to insurrection to attempted coup to treason. There's no doubt that the violence was fomented by President Donald Trump, who continued to amplify his false claims about a stolen election and to express his support and love for the mob, even as he eventually asked them to go home. The paltry police presence is being compared to the massive forces equipped with assault rifle shears, shields, tear gas, and battle helmets arrayed against Black Lives Matter protesters last summer. Joe Biden's election was ultimately confirmed in the wee hours of the morning, and the question is, what's next? We'd like to hear from you. The numbers, 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty, and now I would like to go to Larry Haas, who is a former White House communications strategist and a senior fellow at the American Foreign Policy Council. Dr. Melissa Miller, professor of political science at Bowling Green State University, and Seth Weathers, president and lead Republican strategist at. Weathers Corporation and also a former Georgia State Director for Trump. Uh, welcome and thank you so much for being with us today. Hello. Hello. Good nice to be, to be here. here. Okay, first I'd like, uh, I'd like to go around and just, uh, you know, get a sense of, of how you felt watching this unfold yesterday. Let's begin with Larry. Well, of course, it was sickening. Uh, uh, I found myself uh, riveted to the TV with my stomach churning. Uh, you know, we are uh, known as, and I think for most of our history have been uh, considered the world's leading democracy, uh, a beacon uh, for the rest of the world, uh, for would-be Democrats, for dissidents who are working hard in authoritarian countries, and I was embarrassed and thought that it was terribly undermining our image, both now and for some time in the future, until we sort of right the ship, presumably under President uh, Biden. So that's first. And then secondly, I'll say briefly that it was, however sickening, uh, the logical conclusion of four years of this presidency. Uh, the breaking of norms and the fact that there were still votes to challenge the electors in Congress, uh, even in the aftermath 
of this sickening insurrection was very disheartening and proved that, you know, the Republican Party has got a lot of soul searching to do. And we're likely to see a real civil war among that party as to what its future direction uh, is going to be in the months and years ahead. Okay, Dr. Melissa Miller, well, what did you feel watching this? Oh, I shared so many of the same reactions that Larry just expressed. I will say that when the Congress reconvened at 8 p.m. last night, um, it did give me a sense of reassurance, however brief, um, that our democratic institutions and our Constitution would not be stopped by this violent protest and, and storming of the U.S. Capitol. Um, so it was reassuring to see the Constitution kick in, to see the Vice President Pence uh, preside in his ceremonial role over the proceedings. Um, and yet, like Larry, um, I think there's just deep concern that I feel, at least, over whether there will be further violence. There were other state legislatures that went into lockdown across the country um, because there were some demonstrations and some threats made. So I just don't even know whether this is over in the next two weeks, in the last two weeks of the Trump administration, because I feel like the genie is out of the bottle. I think that Trump's supporters are just really all in, in terms of not just their support for President Trump, but their belief in the falsehoods that he has so unfortunately conveyed about the election. Um, so deep concern. I think the Republican Party, as a political scientist, um, our whole discipline will be watching and studying and examining what happens to the party. Um, civil war has been bandied about. I don't think that's what the United States faces, but it does appear that there's, um, there's a war within the Republican Party. Um, and it was made plain yesterday with um, violent protesters. Some are calling them insurrectionists, and federal prosecutors will determine whether or not they're pro- prosecuted for insurrection or not, um, uh, so- on the one hand, storming the Capitol. And meanwhile, some top Republicans, in- including Senator Mitch McConnell, um, is condemning the violence and saying that this was a failed insurrection. Okay, Seth Weathers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was yesterday was probably I, I can't remember being as angry as I was yesterday watching this. Um, obviously, the people that did that, uh, they they don't stand for the Republican Party that I stand for, and they certainly don't have the same beliefs that I have. And I hope that they are all um, arrested and rounded up and get the bullets that stand on the wall thrown at them. And I, I just feel that it was, it, the, you know, from a... PR standpoint, which I know sounds cold to say, the Republican Party definitely took a hit yesterday because you had these people doing it, claiming to be doing it in the name of essentially the Republican Party. And with the American media, we know that's not going to be soon forgotten. Unlike the sweeping under the rug, the violence from the Antifa and Black Lives Matters of the entire summer, the media will actually cover this. And so that's something that obviously as Republicans, we're going to have to be fully aware of. Now, you, you worked for Donald Trump in Georgia, uh, you know, um, as, as someone who used to do that. How, I, again, um, what were you thinking? 
what, what was I thinking? What aspect of working for him? Sorry, I misunderstood the question. No, I mean, as somebody watching Donald Trump and the statements that he made, as somebody who used to work for him, what did you make of that? I mean, the statements he made, yes, while he was going on and whining about um, election fraud, he still was telling people to remain peaceful and, you know, told them to go home in a uh, prepared video that he put out telling the entire crowd to disperse. Um, so, you know, I, you, you can't, because he has the election fraud beliefs, whether they're true or not, in a lot of cases, they're incorrect. Whether If he actually believes that and he's discussing those issues, that doesn't mean that he's automatically to blame because some nut takes it to an extreme and runs. But wait the a minute, like he he idiots. told people to go to the Capitol. Right, as it was a protest, and that's what he was telling them to do. I and mean, there was hundreds of thousands of people in that those crowds, obviously, and obviously the vast majority of them, as the media here in America would describe, Antifa um, rallies where they burn down buildings and burn down police cars and that kind of thing. It was mostly peaceful. It was a very small subset of those individuals that actually resulted in the violence. Um, it's it's hard to square that with with what we were seeing on TV anyway. Um, Larry, do you do you agree with um, that characterization of it? Well, with all due respect, um, I do believe that um, Donald Trump is, if not singularly, uh, largely to blame. Yes, he did at one point say that don't ta- you know don't attack law and order. We're the party of law and order, and all the rest. But what happened yesterday was the accumulation of four years of fomenting uh, the breaking of norms, and frankly, on many occasions, the incitement to violence. And to using, excuse me, and to using the criminal justice system against the president's enemies, Uh, you know, uh, condoning violence at his rallies in 2016, calling the media the enemies of the people, uh, talking about locking up his political adversaries. Uh, The rhetoric is there. And when you tell people who only listen to you and media sources that parrot what you say, that, you know, the election was stolen, that he's been done an injustice, that they have been disenfranchised, that their 75 million votes at the end of the day didn't matter because the election was stolen for them because of this, this, and the other, uh, all of it nonsense. Uh, you know, I was watching those protesters yesterday, some of whom, as, as we heard, were peaceful. All too many of them were violent. Uh, I was terribly angry, but on the other hand, frankly, I found it a little pathetic uh, because these people have been fed lies for four years, and they truly believe this nonsense that has come out repeatedly from the mouth of the president. Uh, so it, it, is, it, is, it, it is a little bit too cute by half to say that in this particular case, the president did, you know, perhaps once say, uh, stay peaceful, because this was not about yesterday. This was the, as I said, the accumulation 
of four years of his rhetoric right. and behavior. Go ahead, right. Seth. So I know you, you want to respond. For you to continue saying that the president was forming violence over the past few years, and this is just an acting out of that, the reality is the Democratic Party has covered for the violence that overtook America the entire summer. We had cities burning. We've had cities that are still boarded up to this day because of Antifa and Black Lives Matters that would not be condemned by even Joe Biden up until late October when he was forced into finally saying something after enough people had been killed in these riots. And so to say that the Republican Party, oh, they're, they're the ones that are supporting violence, the exact opposite is clearly true, which goes back to my point about the media and what will get covered. Over 30 people were killed over the Antifa Black Lives riot over the course of the summer. Yeah, and, so and what about the people that, who were killed by police? Or by the media. Uh, we saw a lot of coverage of it, and, and uh, this is watching from another country. And, and what about those people who were killed by police? What about George Floyd? I'm not sure what that has to do with other people committing violence and burning down cities. Well, um, there's there's more than that. enough. Uh, of, so you're saying that's okay? No, I am definitely not saying. But th- there is also a big, huge difference in the police presence. Uh, Melissa Miller, what, you know, why were there so few cops there to begin with? Did they not expect this? Oh, my goodness. That is one of the key questions um, emerging from yesterday's events. And the irony did not escape many watching on TV uh, that these um, protesters or rioters, there's even controversy about how, how they should be referred to, but those who stormed the Capitol, scaled the walls, broke the windows, and uh, unlawfully entered uh, the U.S. Capitol um, did not face much of an opposition. There, there w- were not, you know, not nearly enough um, Capitol police to. Well, to just respond. a minute. There was... They did try. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I mean, uh, I know Seth wants to get in there, but uh, if there had been the kind of police presence that there were at the other ones, they wouldn't have been able to get through. I mean, at I first, police were outnumbered, were they not? It seemed to me yes, that they, they absolutely were. They're and one, one interesting... Go ahead, Seth. They were absolutely outnumbered. But to say that there was little attempt to stop them, they were very outnumbered. And I think that was obviously was a massive mistake. And I'm sure there's going to be investigations as to how and why that took place. But the officers that were there, you can go watch the videos. There's many cases that they were fighting like hell trying to keep these crowds back. They were tr- I mean, that's you can true. go watch absolute brawls yeah. of these officers that are wildly outnumbered. And then there's also the one we saw yeah. taking a selfie with him. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I, that. I don't understand. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, if I could just interject our own in the district in which I'm sitting, Ohio's 5th Congressional District. Our member of Congress did an interview with a local paper here, um, with observing the whole thing from across the street in his office through the window. Of course, they couldn't all be on the House floor at one time, so he happened to be watching in full view of what was happening. One interesting thing he told our local reporter was that congressional staffers had been told to stay home yesterday, which suggests to me that it, it was anticipated, at least by uh, House leadership, and yet I, I there know was not nearly enough of a presence there, there yesterday. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, well. Congressional staffers were there. I personally know congressional staffers are there. I've 
posting and tons of them are sharing their thoughts and views and videos and images of what took place yesterday. So I, I feel like that may be uh, somehow that got lost uh, in the translation there because we congressional staffers were definitely there. They were not told to stay home yesterday. Yeah, I I, I want to echo that. Um, uh, it is inconceivable that they were told to stay home yesterday. Yesterday was a very big day uh, in terms right. of House and Senate proceedings. And it was a very big day for every member of Congress in terms of taking very solemn votes. And the fact is, uh, congressional staffers were there both on the floor of the House and on the floor of the Senate, as well as an individual office. And congressional staffers saved a lot of the papers that were being yeah. worked on when the uh, the mob entered and actually found their way in onto the Senate floor and almost onto the House floor. So I, I must say I'm I'm as skeptical about that information as uh, Seth is. Um, I was surprised by it as well. And our congressman um, only had one staffer with him, and that was his understanding. But I think it's fair to question. Okay, let's uh, let's move along to a different question. And uh, we've been hearing that people are talking about using your 25th Amendment to remove the president, uh, or they're questioning his state of mind. Uh, they're saying that it's even dangerous to leave him there for two weeks. Uh, is is and is that just talk, Larry? Um, I think it's a little bit more than talk, um, especially because we've seen some resignations out of the White House, and we we may see some more uh, before January 20th. We'll have to watch in particular today whether we see any high-profile resignations. Um, The 25th Amendment, which is the removal basically engineered by the vice president and the cabinet, is something that probably would not take place simply because under the proceedings, there's a certain time frame that has to ensue. The president himself can resist, and there's time that, you know, he has a certain number of days, and then there'd have to be a vote in Congress if there was still a conflict between those who wanted him removed and the president himself. So the clock would probably run out. I think, um, though, there may be, and we'll, again, I think today will be a good indication of whether this gets any momentum. Uh, there's also talk about going through impeachment and conviction. And that might be a little bit more viable because it can happen very quickly if there's a will to make it happen. Um, I do think that um, it is something that should be seriously considered because I think it would send a strong signal uh, to audiences both at home and abroad in terms of, again, the values and the behavior uh, that is legal and that we expect as, a, as a, such an important uh, democratic force. And frankly, um, you do have to question uh, what this president might do over the course of the next uh, two weeks. So two different avenues, 25th Amendment, impeachment. I'm inclined to think the latter is more viable. I don't know that I would predict either will occur, but I think there'll be serious discussions discussions about both. Uh, I've also heard about a, a censure. Uh, Melissa Miller, like, doesn't this just make him into a martyr? Well, it could, and it would be the weakest of these three responses that have now been raised. Um, some would call it a, a slap on the wrist. Um, compared to either invoking the 25th Amendment 
for the impeachment process, but it is a formal action that the Congress could take to censure the actions of the President of the United States. One of the big differences among the three um, options is that if the President were to be impeached and removed from office, he would be prohibited from running uh, for President again. And so that's an enormous difference uh, among the three options. But um, I'm with Larry. I don't think really there's, with so few days left, there may be the will there. The clock may simply run out. Seth Weathers, what's going on inside the Republican Party? There definitely uh, looks like two very different streams. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely always been the establishment slash the grassroots or the populace, whatever you want to call it, divide within the Republican Party. And I do think that that's something that's going to be certainly inflamed for a little while here. And I think it's something that the parties are going to have to work through. But I, I do believe that the populist Republican base is much larger than the establishment um, side of things. And I think that we're going to see a lot of primary challenges to Republicans from more populist Republicans that, you know, would be considered more America first Republicans in 2021 and and 22 and beyond. Uh, Larry, how do you see that? Uh, You see the Republican party tearing itself apart. Well, um, I don't, I don't know whether that's the right expression, but I'll, I'll put this more politely. Uh, There is going to be a lot of soul searching. And while it may not be violent, there will be at least a theoretical civil war within the Republican Party as to whether its future should be Trumpism, whether with Donald Trump or otherwise. And clearly, certain members who want to run for president in 2024 seem to be making that calculation, whether it's Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley or others, and those who would like the Republican Party to go back to its traditions in terms of basic conservative principles, fiscal uh, rectitude, strong military, free trade, and get away from this um, America first-ism, xenophobia, uh, and and, and isolation-ism, and all the breaking of norms that we've seen domestically over the last four years. So uh, I don't know if it's going to tear itself apart or it's going to rally soon around one of those two avenues or not. But clearly, we are going to see, heading into 2022, heading into 2024, and what Seth says about people being primaried from the right, we are going to see all this, and we are just going to have to see which aspect of the Republican Party prevails in the months and years to come. Uh, Melissa Miller, I mean, it's, it's not just the Republican Party. Your country seems to be extremely split uh, by people who are living in very different realities, very different socioeconomic backgrounds. I mean, um, it, that seems to be the fundamental divide. Well, I, I have to say that just in the last 25 years or so, um, it used to be the case that political scientists studying partisan polarization would say that, oh, this is something that is manifest among elected Democratic and Republican officials in Congress. This polarization is at um, the leadership level in Congress, and that Americans themselves are not divided in that way. Well, that's no longer the case. 
Um, as you say, America is deeply divided, and there are so many factors that have contributed to that. One is the partisan nature of the media and the ability of Americans um, to pick and choose their media outlets on their social media to really live in silos in which they can be um, reinforced. Their views can just be reinforced. So it, it is a deep, deep problem, and it does not have an easy solution. Um, I will say just on this question of the future of the Republican Party that it is just vital that there be um, a healthy party on the right. Um, we're a two-party system there will probably be talk about whether there will be a split in the third party. Third parties in this country, despite everything that's happened, just are not going to fly. Um, there are just too many institutional mechanisms in place, um, acts, ballot access laws and so forth, that make it very difficult. So it is just vital um, that we get some stability in the party system. Um, and, and we'll just have to see. But I think uh, Seth and Larry have laid it out. There are, you know, there is a populist wing and then there's a more uh, moderate, old school Republican Party. And it just will remain to be seen which one becomes dominant. One of the most interesting questions to me is that what we have at the, at the top of the Republican ticket in 2016 is a losing candidate. Usually the losing candidate is kind of like yesterday's news. And the party really wants to sort of move on. And that is not at all what is happening here oh. um, with President Trump. Okay, and he's I'm... not going to bow gracefully from the scene. Okay, I'd like to give the last 20 seconds to Seth. Are we going to have peace uh, in the last two weeks of the administration? Uh, well, I will like to say we've had uh, as to uh, uh, we've had had world peace for the most part from uh, at least from America's side of things during the last four years. Uh, but no, I do believe that you know President Trump put out a statement early this morning. It's going to be a, a peaceful transfer of power on January twentieth, et cetera. So no, I don't think there's any uh, anything major that's going to happen between now and then. Uh, Biden will be inaugurated on the twentieth, as presidents always are. And we will move forward with a, a different, a, a different uh, group in power in D.C. Okay, uh, let's hope so. Thank you so much, Dr. Melissa Miller, Seth Weathers, and Larry Haas. We appreciate your insights on this. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, you're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.